Heavenly Father, I pray that you would uh, pray that you be with me and help me to uh, just unpack your word. Help me to be faithful to the scriptures. Help me to to point toward you over and over again, Lord. Help me to um, bring to mind just the the glory of your holy name and and uh, help me to glorify you. Just just unpacking the treasures that are in your word and and showing folks your mercy and your grace, Lord. This amazing gift that you've given us in Jesus Christ. I pray that you would. Um, bless the folks who are here. Help them to hear from you and know you more just by by being in your presence today. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, we are starting the Easter series, um, which we should have started about two weeks ago, but I am late for everything. Uh, sort of habitually late. And I am going to confess that I am repeating a text. Uh, I've been trying very hard for the last almost six years to, to pick new verses every time, to not repeat parts of the Bible. So, I mean, because there's a lot of it, right? There's a lot of ground to cover, and I am, I'm repeating. We're going to be talking about Abraham today. Uh, and, and so as we, as we dive into that, I, I had a conversation with a guy this week before I, I get started. We were talking about... Uh, we were talking about sin, we were talking about grace, we were talking about a wide range of things, and, and the thing that, that was said to me um, that, that jumped out at me, that, that you know, stopped me short, um, as we were just kind of talking about the bigness of what God has done on our behalf, um, my, my friend said to me, he said, well, you know, as bad as I am, I can't believe God did this for me. Like, I, God, God did so much for me. God has gone so far on my behalf. Like, as, as rotten as I can be, as, as poor of mistakes as I've made, as, as sinful as I act, as, as, you know, as, as rotten as my life has been, like, God loved me enough to do this. Um, that's huge. Um, and so as we, as we prepare for Easter, I know I usually start with a funny story, and I... I, I'm not doing that today because I I I want to emphasize this. I want to push this. I want I want this to be clear. Like like nobody in this room, nobody you know, nobody you see on TV, nobody you encounter anywhere in your life earned Jesus dying for them. Nobody deserved it. Nobody is so good and good looking and awesome that they're forgiven because God, you know, like just is happy to have them. You know, like. I'm just, like, none of us deserve it. There's a, there's a saying, I, I can't remember who said it, and I've quoted it a bunch of times lately, and I should really look it up so I know, but the, the only thing that we bring to our salvation is the need to be saved in the first place, right? Um, and so as we, as we go into Easter, this next few weeks, what we're going to be talking about is um, how far God went on our behalf. Like, how big this whole... Um, Good Friday, Jesus dying for our sins, um, Easter morning thing is, and it, it, it's hard to put it into words because it is so big. Um, so as we're all right, so that's that's where I'm starting. I'm you know, and, and as we dive into it, we're going to be looking at Abraham this week, and this is actually one of my favorite topics. Like in the Old Testament, I I would preach on this every Sunday if I could. This story. Um, because it is, it is one of those ones, it's like opening a new box of toys every week. You know what I mean? Where you open it up and there's something new and exciting to play with every time. Um, and, and this week, so we're, we're going to be talking about Abraham. Um, a little background, Abraham was the first Jew. 
Got it? First Jewish man was Abraham. He was originally pagan. He was not like raised a follower of God. Um, and, and his name starting out was Abram, which is kind of a pun. It basically means guy who doesn't have any kids. Right? And it was like a, like a not positive name. <laughs> because Abraham didn't have any kids. Right? Um, and in the ancient world, to not have any children was a huge deal. If you didn't have children when you died, your stuff was not inherited by anyone related to you. Um, it would go to a slave, or it would go to a servant, or it would go to your neighbor, or someone else. Um, the other thing is, if you were married and you died, nobody took care of your wife. That's a huge deal, right? Because if you have kids to take care of your spouse, that's good. But this is an era where wives couldn't inherit property. Um, where wives couldn't have, like, like um, standing in the community amongst men. Like, like, it's not as though Abraham would die and then Sarah would be, you know, set up for life. Without kids, Abraham dies and Sarah ends up a servant, you know, or, or worse, right? I mean, and so, like, for Abraham to not have children, the, to take it a step further, like, like, ancients believed that if you did not have children, it was a sign that the gods had cursed you, little g. And actually later, big G. Like, they believed that not having children was a sign of God's disfavor, of divine, you know, or, or what have you, like, disfavor. Like, we do not like you, and so you have no children. And so for Abram to have no kids is a lifelong embarrassment. It's a stain of sorts on his, on his situation. And so God comes to Abraham, and he makes a covenant. This is the big covenant. He says, Abram, you become my follower, you, you, know, you, you go where I tell you to go, you will be my people and I will be your God, and I will give you children. And for Abram, like this would have been a, probably something he wanted more than anything else in the whole wide world, and that is a big deal. Everybody got it? Think of the one thing you want more than anything else in the whole wide world. Um, maybe you're in a situation where your life is so wonderful you don't want anything. Um, but like the, the one thing you want more than anything, God says to Abraham, you will get it. All you have to do is move and get circumcised. Um, and he wanted it bad enough that those were not a big, big deal. And so like Abraham is circumcised. Abraham moves away from his home, away, away from where he'd lived his entire life. And he, he basically travels for the, almost the remainder of his days. He eventually ends up in, in the promised land, but he takes a lot of detours along the way. And God waits a long time, like, like many, many years. And eventually Abraham has a son with Sarah, right? And Abraham is, is like 100 at this point. Um, he's an old man. He finally has this son, um, the son of the promise. His name is Isaac. And um, this is where we're picking up. Isaac is a little older, and he has this son, um, and, and it is a big deal. Now, before we dive into it, there is a thing that every ancient believed about divine beings, whether it is God or little g, gods. Um, it was pretty universal in that part of the world that the expectation was that, that the divine beings, they had a right to ask for the first cut. Got it? This is like at, at dinner. You know, I'm, I'm dad, and so I have the right to ask for the first plate. I, I choose not to exercise that right because I don't want to embarrass anyone. 
I, I, this is the idea, though. Like, God, God has the right to ask for the first of everything. And so, like, you know, you would have a crop, you would bring God the first fruit. You have, you know, um, calving, you would bring God the first one. Um, and that was the expectation. And so, like, this is, the whole of the ancient world believed this. And so we dive into Genesis 22, um, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Now, there's a couple of things here before we, you know, first sentence, right? Tested. This is a, this is a word that has lost a lot of its weight in translation. Um, when we see God testing in the ancient setting, like in the scriptures, God doesn't test in small ways. You get what I'm saying? It's not like, you know, that pop quiz where you get to use a book. Um, God would test attributes to the absolute limit of what it was possible, right? It would, he would test in a way that pushed folks beyond what they thought they could do, and, and that's what he would do. Like, God, God testing is not a small thing. It is an enormous undertaking, and this is no different. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. It's a little test, right? Um, This is everything Abraham wanted in the whole world. Abraham has uprooted his entire life He has moved. He has spurned everything. He is old to the point that he's pretty much not having any more kids. Right? Like, Abraham has has waited um, and waited and waited for God to give him this son. And now God demands his part. And Abraham doesn't back up and say, hey, you can't do that because Abraham owes God the first part. It's like an ancient expectation that the first is his. And so Abraham is here with Isaac and he says, all right. Um, I'm willing to bet that this was not a lightly responded thing. We all agree on this? For Abraham, who wanted a son more than anything else in the entire world, more than, more than anything, he wanted this son. And then God says, I, I want you to give him to me. He's mine. Um, there are a couple of interesting phrases here, and this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show my hand up front. I'm going to give you the, the big reveal. Um, this story parallels the story of Jesus so tightly that it, it can't be an accident. You all with me? Um, your son, your only son, right? I mean, this is who Jesus is. Jesus is God's son. Um, whom you love. This is the child of the promise is a bigger thing, right? Like, this is, this is the child that was promised to him. And when Jesus shows up, part of what throws the disciples off when they start hearing about, you know, hey, I'm going to go die for your sins. Hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be raised up, but I'll, I'll come back to life again afterward. Hey, they're going to arrest me and execute me, but don't worry. Everybody freaks out because they're like, wait a minute, you are the promised one. You're the one God promised would come and save us. You can't die. Jesus was the child of the promise. And so was Isaac, right? Um, This is a huge deal. 
Like this parallel isn't accidental. It's something called typology. Uh, it comes from group, gr- gr- Greek. I can speak Greek. Um, that was the Greek pronunciation of Greek. Don't worry. I, nobody knows better except maybe John. <laughs> Tupos is Greek for imprint, right? And the idea is that God shows us his hand early, predicts what's coming by showing us the imprint of what's coming. And so, um, they're right here. Um, the tupos, the, the type here is, Isaac is a type of Jesus. We see Jesus in it. So you go to the region of Moriah. Moriah is only mentioned one other time in the New Old Testament, right? Um, Moriah is the mountain that the temple is built on, right, in Jerusalem. So when you go to Jerusalem, the temple mount was Mount Moriah. Right? And so, like, God sends him to this place, this region, and he says, hey, you know, go take him over there and sacrifice him. So he goes to where Jerusalem will one day be. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took him with two of his servants and his son Isaac. Um, He took with him, excuse me. Then he cut enough wood for the burnt offering, and he set out for the place God had told him about. So he cuts all the trees down that he needs, um, enough to to, um, offer up his son. And they take it with them. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Now, the author of Hebrews comes along and says, hey, Abraham said, we'll both come back. Right? And the author of Hebrews says, well, what Abraham expects is to sacrifice Isaac and then God would give him right back. Right? Like Abraham expected he was going to go through with it, but he expected Isaac to be resurrected. Right? Like, and so what Abraham did, he went into this expecting a resurrection. Um, I'm guessing he was also still really uncomfortable. Can we all agree on this? Um, I've never been asked to kill one of my children. I've maybe thought about strangling them on occasion. Um, I could not not make that joke. Um, But... But I cannot imagine what Abraham is going through. Anybody? Not at all, right? Um, And I I read a lot about this. I think... Well, we'll we'll get to that in a second. Um, So he says, listen, we're going to go and we're going to do this. So they go and they walk up this mount, which eventually is Mount Moriah, where the temple gets built. And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Now, here's a crazy thing. Isaac is going to carry the wood he's going to be sacrificed on up to the place where he sacrificed. Does that sound familiar? Oh, because when Jesus gets arrested and tried and sent out to be crucified, he carries his cross the whole way. Or actually, most of the way, and then he collapses and somebody else carries it for him the rest of the way. But we have a parallel here, right? And it's not an accident. It is not an accidental parallel. It is there on purpose because Abraham is showing us what's going to happen and Abraham is experiencing something that God is going to experience. Isn't it true? Because I don't believe that God sent Jesus and thought, well, this is no big deal. Um, I, I have a couple of times, actually just recently, I had to take Abby to the doctor and she had to get blood taken to figure out what was going on. And so I sat with her, and I knew... Anybody ever sat with a kid who's about to get a needle? They love it, don't they? They sing for joy, and they look forward to the sticker and the lollipop afterward. And so the nurse said, hold on to her. 
<laughs> and so I sat down and I held on to her and I knew they were about to stick this needle in. And I'm going to tell you, I don't like needles. Like I had allergy shots for, for a couple of years and Abby would go and hold my hand while I did it. Like I, I am that guy. And I'm not ashamed of it, so don't think you can tease me about it. It ain't going to work. <laughs> Jess has already done it. Um, <laughs> so, but, but even knowing she's going to get this little stick, I'm kind of tearing up for her, right? I love my kids. I don't care. It's, um, because we know our kids are going to experience something painful. We experience it before they do, don't we? And we hurt knowing what they're going to go through. We hurt knowing that there's hardship ahead of them. We hurt knowing that they're going to... I mean, it, it, it hurts us because, because we love our kids. My wife... Um, well, let's keep going. Um, so Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went on together. And Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father... Yes, my son Abraham responded. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? This is a tough question, isn't it? And at some point in time, Abraham is going to have to say to his son, you're it, buddy. Right? I'm guessing Abraham's putting this off for a couple of reasons. First off, have you ever had to give someone bad news and you just don't want to say it? I'm guessing this is a part of it. I'm guessing the other part of it... Um, I'm guessing the other part of it is that Isaac is probably bigger and stronger than Abraham by this point. Right? I mean, I've not been 100 years old yet. But at 40, sometimes I wonder if I can handle my kids. <laughs> There's going to be a point in time when I'm 60 and they're graduating from high school... And they're going to say, Dad, can I borrow the car? I'm going to say no, and they're going to push me over and take it. <laughs> I'm going to take my walker away so I can't take it back. You know, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Titus will do that, Abby, not you. Um, <laughs> um, but, but he can't tell them because, but you know what? They get up there, and Isaac must get on the offering himself. He must do it willingly, right? Because Abraham couldn't have tied him up by himself. And so that means that, like, by the way, we have another parallel. Isaac goes willingly, right? Just went willingly to the cross on our behalf. Um, so he's, Where, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Now, what Abraham is saying is, hey, you're it, and God gave you to me, and I'm sacrificing you. Right? But he's speaking bigger than he knows. Because first off, God is going to provide a lamb. And ultimately, if we flash forward all the way to the story of Jesus, Jesus is God's lamb sacrificed on our behalf. Right? For the ancient Jews, like, if you committed a sin, you had to sacrifice to make up for it. Because, like, punishment, punishment has to be meted out. Right? And the story of Jesus is the story of God looking and saying, you people cannot... Take the punishment that you've got coming. And so I'm going to put the punishment on my son instead. Like, God loved you so much. Like, Romans says, when we were God's enemies, Jesus died for us. Right? Like, God loved you so much that when you didn't care about him, when you were out rebelling against him, when you were, you know, doing all the stuff that we do, um, to offend God, like, like all of it, that Jesus still died for us. 
Like God still provided the lamb on our behalf. Like that's powerful. And Abraham didn't know what he was saying. God will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. And Jesus was the lamb of God provided for the burnt offering. And Abraham answered, got himself, I'm sorry, I just read that. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar and there built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Um, when he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. So Abraham is probably dude, I don't even think I can put this to words sufficiently. Like take a quick second and imagine what Abraham is experiencing at this point. This is bad, right? Um, but again, let's. God did this for you. Like, not that he sent Abraham to do this, but what Abraham experienced is what God experiences eventually. Like, God sent Jesus knowing that he loved him more than anything, knowing that he loved him before the creation of the world, knowing that he loved him before you were even thought of. Like, he sent Jesus, like his like beloved son, he sent him to die for us. Like, for you. So, when you lie, when you steal, when you get drunk, when you look at women lustfully, when you give God a half service, when you phone it in, when you lose your temper, you know, with your kids, when you mistreat your wife, when you, you know, when you offend God, when you put him fourth or fifth on the tier, or when you lie to him, or when you whatever, like, God still sent his son for you. Like, the agony that that must have been like for Abraham, and ten times more so for God, for you. One of the best gifts I've ever gotten in life was realizing how bad I am. Isn't that a weird thing to say? Like, it is. But the best gift I ever got was realizing how much I rebel against God and how much I don't deserve His grace, how rotten I can be, how low I can go, how wicked a man I am, because knowing that, I know that Jesus carried that for me. Like, and I know that God loves me more than anything. I know that God loves me more than I even love myself. God loves me more than I can possibly understand. And he loves me so much that he laid his son on the wood and his son went willingly for me and for you. And he sacrificed him on my behalf. In Abraham's situation, but the angel said to the Lord, uh, the angel of the Lord called out to him uh, from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, replied Abraham. He replied, I'm guessing he's like, whoa, all right, time to stop, <laughs> right? Here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Now, we're going to hit pause here real quick. You might say, wouldn't God have known that already? I mean, he's God, right? Like, he's omniscient. But here's the cool thing. Did you ever watch a roller coaster on television? Anybody ever ridden a roller coaster? It's a bit of a different experience, isn't it? It is. It is fun. Um, And it's kind of scary, too. But it's a very different thing to ride a roller coaster than it is to watch one. It is a very different thing to say... I love my wife and kids than it is for me to 
um, serve them with my life, isn't it? I mean, because we can all talk. We can all know it in our head, but knowing it in your head and doing it are very different. I have never run a marathon. My brothers run like 20 of them. Um, I'm betting that it's a very different thing to sort of think you probably could and then to go out and actually run a marathon. Anybody want to guess? <laughs> um, the reality is that faith is not a thing we know. It is not a thing we feel. It is a thing we do. And when we see in the scriptures that God calls people to act in faith, like it means you act. And so this is hard, right? And he tests Abraham's faith in him. And beyond that, he says, Abraham, do you love me more than what you wanted? That's hard. Think about the thing you want most in the entire world and ask yourself, do I love God more than I love that? Because that's what this was about. And the thing that God loved more than anything else in the whole world is Jesus. And yet he would still sacrifice him for you. He would still love you that much. I mean, it's hard to not shout about it, honestly, because it's so big. And it's so awesome. It's so fantastic. I, I, I can't even put it into scale, honestly. I think about like how bad of a husband I've been over the years and how blessed I am to have a wife who's put up with me this long. I mean, I, I can't believe that she loves me more than I deserve, right? And God's love for me is times a thousand, times a million, times an infinite. Like the degree that God will go on my behalf, that he went on your behalf. So God tests him and Abraham comes up comes up right. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. By the way, if you go to this region, these thickets are thorn bushes. Got it? So caught by a thorn, caught by its horns in a thorn bush, he sees a ram. Um, golly, it's almost like that ram's wearing a crown of thorns, isn't it? Hey, that might be another parallel. Because it's basically the same plant. So... God provides a sacrifice instead of Isaac. And that sacrifice is, is a male ram, right? Like a ram um, caught by its horns. So like wearing a crown of thorns. Um, and so he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. By the way, Mount Moriah, where the temple is, this is the rough location of where Jesus was eventually crucified. What are the odds? But this is a type. It's a prediction. And so what God watched Abraham almost do, he did on our behalf. Same place, laid him on the wood, sacrificed for you. It is not an accident. This is intentional. Um, and so as we go, like we're going into Easter, it's coming up here. We do all kinds of fun Easter stuff. Understand that the biggest thing, the biggest thing that is coming is, God did this for you. This is all about you. This is, I wake up in the morning and I feel worthless. You know what? You're not worthless because Jesus died for you. I wake up in the morning and I feel alone. God didn't send Jesus to die for you to be alone. I wake up in the morning and I'm ashamed of my past, but God says as far as the east is from the west, so far as you removed your sins from you because Jesus died for you. Like, we're supposed to, like, this is, this is huge. Like, 
it defies description. Did I read that one? Um, Oh, yeah, and the Lord will provide. I did read that one. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself. By the way, um, for God to swear by anything, for him to swear by himself, like God is the only eternal thing. You got it? So for God to swear by himself means like this is a big deal, Abraham. Listen, there's no way I'm going back on this for any reason. God can't lie for starters, but for God to swear by himself is a double, like absolutely set in stone forever and ever and ever, that because you have not because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possessions of the cities of their enemies and through their offspring all and by the way, through your offspring in the singular, Paul points this out, right? In the singular, through your offspring, your great 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 grandson, through your great 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 grandson, Jesus, all the nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. And so God like throws out this prediction. He's coming. Like, this is, this is, again, for you. I know we think, well, it's for this and for that. It is for your sins. It is for your forgiveness. It is for your, like, life to be made the way Jesus intended it to be, the way God designed you to be. This is all about you becoming what you were meant to be. Like, like in harmony with God, in relationship with God. Um, what do we do with all of this? Well, I got two applications here, okay? And they're easy. First off, um, anybody ever like stop in the middle of a day that is absolutely a train wreck and think, God, why can't my life be normal? All right, show of hands. I, shouldn't you stand up and jump up and down, Carly? Because I think you've got, <laughs> you might have us all beat, right? Almost everybody in the room, why can't my life be normal? Um, Guess what? Your life is normal. Next time, say, why can't my life be ideal by my standards? Right? Because Abraham, you look at this story, Abraham is at the end. He is a hundred. He is going to die soon. He's got his kid. He's got his setup. He has got everything. Abraham is, is at the easy part where he's supposed to be coasting. Right? Abraham is, on, is playing shuffleboard on the deck of the cruise liner, like waiting for the end, right? He has moved to Florida, he is in heaven's waiting room, and he is enjoying it. Or it's Phoenix now, isn't it? Anyway. Um, and then God throws him a curveball. And not a little curveball, a hard curveball, right? Because life is a lot more like a roller coaster than it is like a monorail ride, right? Like, and part of that is a blessing, Right? Because in the ups and downs and the scary bits and the twisty parts and when you're hanging upside down and thinking, am I going to fall out of this thing and die? Um, and why did I let the kids talk me into riding this thing and everything else? Like in the midst of all of it, um, God is growing you. And he's putting you in a position where you rely on him and you back up and you ask, what's important to me here? Um, one of my favorite stories that my wife has ever told me and I, she hates it that I don't do this to her, and so I'm going to do it anyway. Um, when I was out of, the, out of contact for a week because of work, um, she realized she, she had a shortfall, and she was either going to make tithe or pay the mortgage. 
<laughs> and so she wrote the tithe check and said, well, it'll happen the way it happens. And then the mortgage company sent her a refund check that she used to pay the mortgage. She didn't know it was coming. It just showed up in the mail the next day, right? But in those scary, oh my gosh, what's going to happen now moments, we back up and we say, am I going to be who God called me to be or am I going to do this? Right? I can imagine Abraham. Am I going to do what God called me to do or am I going to hold on to what I got in my hands right now? And honestly, God calls us to do some hard things. God calls us to do some things that we don't want to do. Isn't it true? God calls us to do things that defy our nature, that crucify our flesh, that make us that make us frustrated and angry and everything else, like all of it. But when God calls us to do the right thing, He doesn't abandon us. But life is a roller coaster. It's scary and it's hard, and that's how we grow in faith. That's it. If you were on the monorail, life would be easy. But you would stay a baby for the rest of your life. That's one. Number two, my last application is back up, look at your heart, look at your life, look at all of it and ask yourself, like if Jesus died for me, if God experienced this anguish sending his son on my behalf, like if he loves me that much, what am I doing? I, uh, I, five years ago, I decided I would be a better husband. Like out of the blue. I woke up one morning and said, I want to be a better husband. And so I read books on it because I'm kind of nervy that way. And I started trying to do things. I think I drove my wife ten times crazier trying to be a better husband. I did, didn't I? (laughs) But I I said, this is what I'm going to do. Because I woke up one morning and I realized, man, my wife has put up with a lot. And she's dragged me through some of the deepest, darkest parts of my life. And she has hung on to me because she loves me and she's awesome. And I really don't live up to that. I should do better. And so I set out to do better because this is who I want to be for her, right? And I don't say that to brag. I, it's actually a pretty low bar. <laughs> like, um, I always compare marriage to, to following God. The question is, like, if Jesus died for you, what do you? How do you live? Are you following Him? Do you love Him? Do you know Him? Are you chasing after Him? Are you, are you looking for the monorail ticket? Are you willing to hop on the roller coaster with Him? Right? Um, Abraham did hard stuff. Abraham eventually died. And Abraham died with one son. But he trusted that God was two. You're right. You're right. But we're not talking about that part of the story. <laughs> that second one was a huge headache. And <laughs> thanks. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I forgot Kathy was here. So Abraham hasn't been here in ages. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, Oh, man, you killed my train of thought. Um, Abraham died with two sons, um, but these two sons, right? Two sons. He died with these two sons. Um, but God still provided more. It may have been more than two, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought so. As soon as I said two, I was like, no, it was, yeah. Anyway, Abraham died with one child of the promise, and that child of the promise was one. And that child of the promise was supposed to eventually become more numerous than the grains of sand on the beach. He didn't see it. He didn't see his offspring blessing the whole world, but he trusted it was true. And eventually it happened. Sometimes we jump on the roller coaster and the roller coaster falls off the tracks and we don't get to see the end. But you know what? God is taking care of us. If he loves you enough to send Jesus to die for you, um, 
if he calls you to do something, no matter how it turns out, he's in control. Um, how are you living with that? How is your heart with that? Do you trust it or are you playing it safe? Uh, I'm going to close in prayer and I will let you all go. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us today. I pray that you would be with the folks who are here. Help us to turn our hearts to you over and over again. Help us to just deep down through and through understand that Jesus died for us when we were awful. Lord, help us to, to recognize that Jesus died for us when we didn't deserve it. Um, Jesus died for the guy next to us when he didn't deserve it. Um, help us to understand over and over again that, that this is grace beyond understanding and beyond reason. And help us to rest in it. And help us to trust you in the ups and downs and the, the backwards and forward and everything else. In Jesus' name, amen.